Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Megan's Old Office. My name is J.D. Gorlett, and I'm the senior pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church in lovely Omaha, Nebraska, and I'm with my good friend, once again, Keith Holmes, the director of Children's and Family Ministry here at Dundee, and Keith's not feeling very I'm well not, today. I'm not. I'm not feeling Should've well. Should have stayed home from school. Uh, I really wanted to, but... Unfortunately, I have a mean boss. That would be me. Uh, <laughs> and that leads in really well to our, uh, topic, story, yeah. our, our, our story for today. Uh, we've been talking, if you follow along with us, and we hope you do, we've been talking about our favorite parables over the last few weeks, and we hope you'll check out those episodes. Today, uh, what you got for us? We got a, a new parable, and uh, Keith is going to load it up for us. We what do. Got? We got the unforgiving servant uh, out of Matthew, Matthew 18, 21 to 35. And as always, I want to start off with a question. Yeah, Um, get us thinking. That's right. Get you thinking while I'm reading. Uh, If you were the slave, the first slave of the story, how would it have felt before and after the king canceled your debt? Okay. Um, So yeah, I want you to be thinking about that. This is all about forgiveness. Right. This week is about the forgiveness part, and we're going to actually lead into it here in verse 21. So Matthew 18, 21 to 35, here we go. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. And his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And that last line is a pretty heavy one. Oh, Dude. there you go. The, that's forget, the that's the, nail, the last nail in that particular coffin. We because, forget that Jesus is telling the story, I think. Right, we, right. You know, because we think of Jesus in such gentle terms, and that's yep. in kind and gracious terms. But here he's sitting, look at that last line. He says, so my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It would seem that forgiveness is really important. Relatively Keith. important. Yeah. And not... And what I really, what caught me even now as I read it this last time was he said, so my heavenly father will do to every one of you. He absents himself from the wrath of God Mm -hmm. because he is God's son. It's another point. You know, we may have talked about it here on the podcast before, but as a young man, 
I was I was mistaken. I I heard someone say, "Well, Jesus never said he was God." Mm. And if that's what you're looking for, if you ever want to find the words "I am God," I'm not sure you're going to see no. those words. But there are so many times he implies it and 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 comes out and says it, especially the 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 part of the woman at the well in Samaria. He says, "I am that right. Messiah." He, admits it to he, it, right. he, he tells her, "The man to whom you're speaking." Uh, is yes, he. is he? And so, so this is one of those moments where it's like, "Holy crow! How long did I live with that wrong thought in my head?" Well, and he also—it's a good point. Uh, he also lets uh, John the Baptist's uh, disciples come to come to Jesus when they're doubting. Uh, when John the Baptist is doubting, and Jesus says, "Just tell John the Baptist what you see right. and what you hear." And uh, you know what, the people are people are being healed. People are give, they're, the blind are seeing. Um, uh, you know, judge for yourself on on the works themselves. Uh, you're right. Uh, but what we need to see, you know, re- the thing that stands out to me is is that here's a side. He is demonstrating that he is the Son of God. Quite often by healing. Quite often with grace. Quite often, and, and certainly with forgiveness, mm-hmm. but he's also letting us know and showing us that he's the Son of God by telling us the truth. And right. This is a hard truth. Uh, this is an extremely hard us. truth because yeah. uh-uh. we don't want to forgive. It's not in our nature to forgive. Well, it, yeah, we uh, we certainly need to be instructed to, to push to do that, inclined to do that, and that's very much what this parable is about. So, Getting I, back to I, my it, opening question, then, because yeah, this yeah. kind of leads into it a little bit of that, the nature of man. So then how would you feel knowing you had 10,000 talents of debt to someone? Or And basically what I think he's saying here is an Unpayable debt. It's perfectly said in in the in your question. Really, is how should he how should he feel right before he's forgiven? As I remember your question, how should this slave feel before he's forgiven? How should he the, the slave feel after he's forgiven? Right. And you make the great point. I mean, it's ten. What was it? Ten thousand uh, talents, talents, which are which is an it's an. An unbelievable sum. It's an almost immeasurable sum. People have tried to, to to equate it with modern money. Right. All you need to know is that it's that it can't possibly be paid back. And so, how are you supposed to feel before that? I would speculate that the slave is feeling before that. He he knows that he's in debt. He can't he can't be unaware. Right. Of the right. fact that he owes the king this enormous amount of money. It's impossible to have that debt and not know it. Uh, he has to be, before he's forgiven, living under the burden of knowing that he is benefiting from something that belongs to someone else, that he has a debt, that he owes the king something. Okay, you, th- you say he has to. Kenny? Does he really have to know that? I, because I, as the listeners are probably hearing this, uh, there's always this question underlying this for me is, what did he do to go into 10,000 talents worth of debt? Was that's a, he a that's gambler? A of, that's a lot was of airplane high, tickets. Right? Was he, a high, yeah. was he a high roller? But And I guess I need to remember, don't get distracted by that. So I kind of want to tell our listeners, don't be distracted by what he did to get into that kind of debt. But it also, though, begs the question for me, but, but he's living a life that might make him forget he's li- living in debt. I mean, how many of it us seems, do that? Well, that, that's a great point. 
it seems unfathomable to me that he doesn't he isn't aware of it, but uh, of the debt, right? But we know from this parable that Jesus is talking about each and every one of us. He's saying, "Look, like this slave, you all have an immeasurable, unpayable debt." Uh, and as I say to you and to everybody listening, that it's it's impossible for this guy to be unaware of his of his debt, mm-hmm. and. Y- Yet, as I say that, I know that I lived for many years and that many other people live with, and I think you would say the same thing, yeah. you, you live many years, you looking back, completely unaware that that you are a sinner, that you are in need of forgiveness. Or, or you that. rationalize it away, or you just simply say, I don't have a king. Right. Uh, you know, this guy could simply be living his life like, oh, the king is never going to call this into account. I don't have to worry about this. I'm th- maybe on my deathbed. I'll I'll have ten thousand talents to give him back. I'll take care of it then. Well, we're sitting here talking about the genius of these parables, and mm-hmm. one of the genius uh, moments of this parable is the inference by Jesus to all of us, to the crowd, the original crowd to whom he's speaking, of how can you believe this guy might not even be aware of his debt? No one could. No one could be unaware of this debt, and right. yet. We are right, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Is, is is how can we be living with ten? You know, again, this amazing debt and talking ourselves out of it, rationalizing in a way, or just simply saying, "I don't believe that there is this debt." And yet, I love your question because your question is, "How should he be feeling?" Right, right? before right. he's forgiven, what should he be feeling? He should be feeling burdened. He should be feeling smothered by the reality of his debt. And Keith, as I say that to you, that is a great feeling. It doesn't... What are you talking about, J.D.? It doesn't sound like... No. No, it is a great feeling because it's in that moment where you feel, you realize, I'm helpless against this. I can't fix it myself. And it's that thing, that feeling that inclines us to reach out to God for forgiveness of that debt. Right. He should feel overwhelmed by what he owes to the king. I always imagine him like I always just like uh, constant in a constant state of hyper alertness is that every knock on the door is the <laughs> right. guards coming to get him there's or you know <laughs> take him to the king or and then that one and in this story that that happens the the knock at the door is the ultimate reckoning. Right. And it's here time he comes. To, it's time to pay it back. And so then after right we see he he makes a plea Please forgive me. Right. I'll pay it back, which we all know is just the dumbest statement ever. Practically, is that uh, I'll it, pay my debt of an unmeasurable amount back. It's exactly right. I'm so glad that you bring that up because it is a ridiculous. It's a ridiculous statement. The king who deserves what he is owed, right. who has every justification, like you said, to send the collection agency or the guards or whoever to, to arrest them in right. order to get this immeasurable debt. The king, the king has every right to do that. I love the point that you make. He, he throws himself at the king's feet and says, oh, no, give me another chance. Right. Let me, I'll pay you back every penny. <laughs> and the king, the king, now we flip the, the script here because your first question is, how should the slave feel about his debt? He should be, feel burdened. He should feel overwhelmed. He should feel helpless under the weight of that debt. Right. Now, how should the king feel as he watches you and me throw ourselves at his feet and say, I'll pay you back? The king knows there's no. Pot. There's just no way. So the king's reaction's got to be, 
you, you idiot. You've got no chance yeah. to do this. You know what? I tell you what. I'm going to take away your debt for you. I, you know, it, it, he, you know, I don't know if it was the earnestness of the plea or if it was just, I, I suppose, in in the in the you know in the whole thing about being in a, a parable, it's just the immeasurable grace of a king. Yeah, this it's is an a, interesting question. Does the does the slave who owes all the money, does he, you know? Hit hit the right chord so as to get forgiven. I don't think so. I don't. Think so I don't either. think so either. I think it is it's straight up all the king at this point because he, well, as we see later, you know, the unforgiving servant gets tortured until he has to pay it back, which we all know means he will be tortured until the day he dies on earth, and then you know that of course we'll talk about here in a little bit, um, being in eternity. But for us, but for for that moment. It's the king looking at him and just saying, you can try, but you'll never be able to do it. I have to do it for you. Yeah, he says a great thing. Uh, forgive me, uh, you know, and I'll, I, you know, give me more time and I'll pay, pay, right. pay it off. He doesn't even ask for forgiveness. It yep. harkens back to the prodigal son who, who practices his speech on the way back when right. he came to his senses. And he doesn't even really get through his speech before the father is hugging him and welcoming yeah. him home and throwing a party for him. And I think you're exactly right. Uh, and from this, we need to, to, to conclude that while uh, what he says and the intention of what he says is good, the, the intention of paying back the debt is, is good, it really is completely the grace of the king, and in our case, the, the grace of Jesus Christ, that is our only our our only hope. That's our only that's, hope. That's very much what Jesus is saying, and his original audience would have would have would have seen uh, that, and would have known that the, the desire for the slave, the intention of the slave to pay back the debt, was completely ridiculous. It wasn't ever going to happen, uh, and that the, the the slave and all of us are completely de- dependent upon the the, the king's sovereignty. And, and grace to to make things right. Yep. So how should he feel? How should he feel after he's forgiven? Oh how gosh. should he be after elated? He's he should be dancing with joy that he no longer has an un, an immeasurable debt on his shoulders. He's free. He can run home to his wife and say, freedom. "Honey, freedom is ours today. We don't have to we don't have to pay the debt back." Um, you know, and and Truly, I think he, you know, would have to would have to take stock of himself and say, "Hey, how did I get into this position? How do I now that I'm forgiven stay out of it?" Yes. And the dependence then all of a sudden on on the, you know, the king's grace continues even beyond the moment of 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 forgiveness. It's like, "Okay, we were in a bad place, but now we're forgiven." How do I stay out of there? What is the, What are my next steps? What am I then going to do so that I do not do? I do not fear every knock at the door. Right, you and know? you're and of course you're you're speaking of our own lives and how well, we course. should how we should then live. But you know, one of the things, Keith, that really occurs to me is that the slave was indebted with an immeasurable debt to the king mm-hmm. before the debt is forgiven. Mm-hmm. Then after the debt is forgiven, he's still in debt. 
yeah. he's still indebted now. He, if 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 you're asking me how he should feel and how she he should think, and you hit it with the word freedom, he feels right. free. He feels elated because he's free. But somewhere in there, as he goes back to his family and says, hey, the debt's forgiven and all that kind of stuff, he should never lose the sense that he's still indebted to the one who forgave the forgave the debt. That's great, yeah. He should have been walking around before under this heavy weight and this burden, uh, this this crushing weight of owing all this money to, to the king. But afterwards, we should feel... The joy and elation, just like you said, of being free of our sins and having our sins forgiven, but we should also have this blessed, still burden, but in a different way right, right. of being indebted to the one who forgave us. But it's a, yeah, and, and I can't, desc- I don't know if I can describe it, that that sense of indebtedness, but a joyful indebtedness. Is there, right? is that even a, that sounds like such an oxymoron, like, how can you be joyful about your debt? It's like... Because he forgave me a bigger debt. Right. I I am so indebted to him for his grace, for his forgiveness of the bigger problem that I would do anything for this guy now. Well, it's not an oxymoron. You've said it. That's a great picture that you paint there because you're talking about relationship. It's a joyful indebtedness, a nice phrase that you have invented here, Keith. Congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. In thank your, you very much. In your, in your, Daniel uh, Webster, write it down. There you go. A, a joyful indebtedness. How is that possible? Is it an ex- oxymoron? No, it's not, because what you're talking about is relationship. There you go. I was, I was buried under the weight of financial debt, in our case, sinful debt, and now I'm forgiven and I'm I'm joyfully indebted in relationship to this one who's who's, who's forgiven me. Man, that is Christianity, isn't it? Amen. I mean, that that is, is like right right there. And again, this is you know Jesus in the parables talking about the kingdom of heaven. He even says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to. And he and there it goes. And then he's into the story. This is a snapshot of God in our lives. Absolutely. And, and so you want to you don't want to want to know what I'm thinking about here that occurs to me as you were talking is is that what Jesus is saying in this passage in this parable is that there's no possible way for you not to be in debt. Right? What I mean, before the debt is forgiven, the the slave us we have a, a an unforgivable unpayable debt. Right. Right? Uh, by ourselves. Of ourselves we can't we can't uh, pay it back. Afterwards, as we've already talked about, he's free, but he's still indebted from the standpoint of relationship, from the standpoint that the grace that he's received naturally inclines him to be devoted to the one uh, that has forgiven the debt, devoted in service, devoted in joy, uh, devoted in every in in, in every way. Mm-hmm. Jesus, to me, today is screaming out to me and saying, J.D., you can't avoid being in debt. By human nature, you're going to be indebted. But which debt is better? Right. To be crushed by by the sins and shortcomings that you have accumulated in your life, yep. or to be devo- devoted in me, de- indebted to me, in the joy of being forgiven? That's, a, that's an easy it's answer. It's a no-brainer. That's an easy question <laughs> to answer, That's a isn't real it? easy one. Yeah. Well, then let me follow up with this, then. Why don't we want to believe that this is how it works, then? Why don't we, as a people, because we see it in the next moment in in the parable where this guy who's been forgiven, forgiven, this immeasurable debt, 
turns and like a rabid dog goes for the throat of a fellow servant who owes him a simple day or two, you know, maybe a couple days wages. Right. Not even. Not even. Not, not, not even. hundred denarii. Right. It, it, which is, is small potatoes, compared I guess. To, yeah. Compared to the thousands of talents exactly. or however it was ever yeah. the number was. Uh, why doesn't he, you know, why, what's the advantage in us not forgiving? Uh, what is the, why do we, why do we act this way? Why don't we want to forgive? Um, is right. That That's the asking? question is why don't we, I think who know this want to forgive? There's obviously some sort of gratification or, or immediate gratification or, or something that, that, uh, you know, uh, makes us feel good, uh, the uh, use of power, the expression mm-hmm. of power in not forgiving somebody else. Lauding it over them right. or, or holding it over their head. That sense of, I can cause you doom at any second. Right. I have you in my power. But the parable the parable challenges us because we, we're going to have a reaction to the parable. Basic basic summation of the, of the parable. One slave is forgiven his debt, uh, and then goes out, finds a, a, a slave who owes him very little money, mm-hmm. and mistreats him, chokes him, and, and demands it, it demands repayment. In other words, he's he is forgiven, but he is unforgiving. That's right. really the summation of this. Why is he this way? Uh, and we recognize that this is wrong. We recognize that that's not the reaction you're supposed to to have. If you are forgiven, you're supposed to pass it on. You're right. supposed to live in a different way. If you're forgiven, you're supposed to be forgiving. And yet, in answer to your question, there's something, uh, some sort, some kind of immediate gratification that we get from not being forgiving. Uh, it makes us feel powerful. Right. It makes us feel righteous. It makes a it, it makes us feel as if we're in control or better than other other people. And yet forgiveness from Christ is supposed to completely and totally disarm us and of that. change us. I yeah, as I as I thought thought through that, you know, my answer is in that in that old phrase, holier than thou. Because this was again Jesus's original audience. There had to have been Pharisees answering. I mean, maybe not, because it was Peter came to him and said, so this could have been a quiet moment. Yeah. And and Peter was, you know, and Peter being the hothead that he was, might have been hurt by somebody in you know that's in the inner circle or close to Jesus. And and yeah, hey, how am I supposed to forgive them? Right. You know? Right. And so maybe the Pharisees weren't there, but this certainly was being told to early Christians this is how it's supposed to be. I like uh you know, I want to ask, you know, what does Jesus want you to see? more than anything else from this story. And I like that you pulled back to the, the beginning of the story. The story mm-hmm. is introduced by a conversation between Peter right. and Jesus. And what does Peter want? Peter wants a quantifiable method give, of forgiveness. Give me, yeah. Yeah. give me some statistics, right. Lord. He's basically saying, hey, I, I hear that forgiveness is a big deal to you, Jesus. Now, how much do I have to do it before I'm done with it, right? So... I'm sorry, I'm laughing over yeah. here, guys. And JD's trying to be so good, and he, but I'm sitting here because you know I always think if you, if you read articles on like Christianity Today, which is a great, great magazine. I'm not dissing it. I'm not. I'd please to forgive me, guys. But here it is: is it, you know, it's like 25 percent of all Christians, 83 percent of right, all young all Christians, they do all these numbers and. Even the first Christian, Peter, the guy he called out of the boat, 
So give me the numbers, Jesus. Yeah, right. I mean, we've been doing this since the very beginning. Yeah, I know, exactly. And he's doing it to, to forgiveness. And I mean, yeah, to the idea of forgiveness. Any number I can have, I need a quantum, like you said, I need a quantifiable something right, right. so I can move forward. I and, love paraphrasing scripture because it'd be like, okay, Jesus, I got, okay, forgiveness is a big deal. When can I be done with it? Oh, that, saying, and that's really what he's saying, isn't it? it? When it can is. I be done? I think it when is. When can I hate him? And then, and then Jesus launches into this parable, and what we can get, if we ask the question of what Jesus wants us to see more than anything else from this story, I think he wants us to see that forgiveness is certainly not something that that uh, you reach a number of times forgiven or times giving forgiving forgiveness and you're done with it that doesn't happen instead you are completely changed by for- forgiveness that you are that you have received to right. the point where you are just forgiving you're forgiving by nature right you're not even keeping track yeah. imagine this it's almost like Jesus wants Peter and all of us to just be throwing forgiveness around all over the place because we are forgiven. Right. And the forgiveness that Peter was is going to give, like the, that of the slave, is, in, is, is tiny compared to what we've already received. Exactly. To know that and to have that in place, to have that be the immovable object in our soul yep. is, is critical uh, to our behavior. It would be our, so life-changing. Know, if we could do it. I mean, you know, on the way here this morning, I'm driving along and I get to, there's one particular intersection in Omaha. Well, there's many intersections in Omaha that aren't great, but this one has five or six streets leading into it and they're all stops and you have to kind of keep track of who's, you know, what whose turn is next. And I always get upset at people that are being nice and letting other people go before them because it ruins the count. The numbers aren't right. And so in my heart, I'm just yelling and screaming at, okay, in my car, I'm yelling and screaming at them if I'm alone, but also in my heart, I'm just going, come on, you should know how to drive. And, and, and I mean, even coming here, I can't forgive the drivers that are doing that. You mm-hmm. know I mean? And I think you're not alone. No, I don't think I am at all. But at the same time, how much more would it be just me sitting there going, okay, now it's my turn. I'm going to go. I didn't care what happened before because those people were being them and, 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 I don't have to. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to. I, I. I guess I don't have to put myself in a position where I can't forgive, or I. I can't just let let that moment. You know, and I give that example, and maybe I'm not saying no. It right I love no. I love the but, example be, yeah. because, but you know, the story. And it's a good one because I think we all do this in our cars. We think we're in a, in a private place when, right. we're, when really we are in the public uh, public square. Uh, when whenever we're in our automobiles, and we all do that, we all judge the way people and condemn the way in the choices that people uh, drive their cars, and we are very unforgiving. We are very ungracious right. Right. in that situation. That's what you're illustrating. But it's a car. You're just going from point A to point B. I mean, you talk about the difference between being forgiven an immeasurable debt and a pittance. I mean, driving your car is a pittance. I know it, it, but you know, one of the things that's interesting about that example, because I think it applies to all of us. I don't think you're alone Mm -hmm. is that we can sit there and we can, we can say, gosh, I, you know, I shouldn't get mad. That's wrong. And all that kind of stuff. But the larger question is 
from where does that come from? There you go. Where does that rage, where does that judgment of others, where does that condemnation come from? Uh, Again, getting back to this parable, Jesus is seeking to tell this story so that we will recognize that we are the slave forgiven in immeasurable debt. And if we would just get that in place... Yep. The sins, and you're right when you're in your car and somebody does oh, something, they, but, you know, but something that's, wrong. You that's know? justice, you know. And I asked earlier, why should you know how 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 come we don't think this works? Because justice demands, you know, the guy to your right goes, the guy in front of you goes, the guy to your left goes, you go, right. and 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 that's how it works. It's it's the right thing, and yet here comes Jesus saying, you know what? Stop it's putting a, yourself in charge of exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. You're not the traffic cop here. Put yourself in charge of grace. Right. Put yourself in charge of forgiveness rather than putting yourself in charge of wrath, judgment, and condemnation. There you go. And put yourself in charge of grace and put yourself in charge of forgiveness because you have been forgiven. He wants to put you in that car and we're, you know, spread it out to multiple areas of your life, not just the way you drive your car, but the way that you speak, the way that you relate to your family and to strangers and Absolutely. to everyone. It's, it's, I'm putting you, a forgiven prisoner, a forgiven uh, criminal, in charge of forgiving other people. It's marvelous. It's, it's genius. And yet we go right towards condemning others right back as fast as this guy did in the parable we do it too i mean because and and i want to finish up here with i want to finish up with one thought and that is and i want i want our audience to be thinking about this too because i think this answer we all know the answer to this and that is what happens to our spiritual freedom in that and that relationship you talked about when with god when we are critical and unforgiving. It's destroyed, isn't it? It destroys that relationship. Yeah, we really are. We're we're trying to relate to a a God, to a Savior who is free in His grace and and abundant in His grace by not being the same. That just doesn't make any sense. And He's still going to to love us and still going to seek to forgive us. But more than that, He's going to seek to bring us into this way of being, isn't He? Uh, yes, he's he never going to stop doing that. It, and, and he's going to give us more than ample opportunities to forgive others. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, man, we could have just kept on going we and could. going and going. There, there's, <laughs> we didn't hardly even scratch the surface, but hopefully we gave you all forgive some us, things. Everybody. Yeah, forgive us, everybody. Forgive us, everybody. Hopefully we gave you plenty of things to just kind of think about this uh, this week. Uh, we've uh, we've really enjoyed having you with us. As always, uh, check us out uh, on Megan's old office and and uh, and share us around. Uh, uh, tell others about um, uh, about your time with us. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Keith. Thank you, JD. All right, man. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Megan's old office. Brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church. Please like, subscribe, and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash dpcomaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email at megansoldoffice at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.